Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today is taken from the reading we heard in the Gospel of Mark. You may be seated. We begin with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that your Son Jesus chose to take the cross for us. That by his dying and rising, you have promised us the gift of everlasting life. And now, Lord, as you call us to follow him, just what it means to take up our own cross. This then grant me and all of us your Holy Spirit that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. Nobody wants the cross. Nobody goes seeking for the cross. But the cross is precisely what Jesus gives. Peter didn't want the cross for Jesus. Peter didn't want the cross. He wasn't even thinking about the cross for himself. In in Peter's day, the cross wasn't a pretty golden decoration that you put up in your churches. It wasn't something the pastor would wear around his neck. Do you know how twisted that would look? To have a cross hung around your neck in the first century? This is bizarre. The cross, you see, was not a thing of beauty. It didn't inspire or grant courage. No, the cross was a torture device of the state used against those who were taking part in insurrection, revolution, and rebellion. So if you were going to go and try and overthrow the Romans, if you were going to try and rebel against the Romans, you'd better be pretty good at what you did. Otherwise, the Romans would have a gift for you. It was the gift of crucifixion. In fact, what they would do is they would, they would take these crosses and they would set them up along the road as people walked into town. And there they would hang the criminals. Just as a warning, welcome to our town. And if you would like to lead an insurrection, this is where you will end up. <laughs> Stay for breakfast if you'd like. <laughs> you know. this is, nobody wants that. Nobody goes looking for the cross. And Peter did not want the cross, but Peter was with Jesus. And he was with Jesus for a revolution, for glory, for honor, for Israel, and yet still wanted to avoid the cross. He didn't want the cross for Jesus, and he certainly didn't want it for himself. The cross is precisely what Jesus gives. So our reading goes like this. One day Jesus comes to his disciples and he says to them, who do people say that I am? And now there's quite a buzz about Jesus going around, and the disciples let him know. Some people think that you are John the Baptist, come back to life. Some people think you are Elijah. Others think you're maybe one of the other prophets. In other words, the reviews are in, and Jesus, you're looking pretty good. Things are going okay. People like what you're doing. You're gaining popularity. All of these miracles, all of this teaching, it's got people excited, and people are getting behind you, Jesus, because you're making them feel good. You're making them happy, and isn't that what we all really want, Jesus, is for you to make us happy. So let's keep going in that direction. But then Jesus turns to the disciples, and he says to them, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, you are the Christ. In other words, Peter's saying, Jesus, you're what people want, but so much more. I mean, not only are you making people happy and making them feel, we know who you are. You're the hope of Israel, the consolation of Israel. All of our patriotic hopes and dreams are coming true in your arrival, Jesus. For you are the bringer of our glory. 
You are the one we've waited for. You are the one we want. You've come to bring us joy and victory and ultimate power and happiness over everything around us. Now, if you're honest this morning, isn't that what you want from Jesus too? Don't you want a Jesus who makes you joyful and happy and content? You want a Jesus who helps solve all of the problems you're facing in life, a Jesus who gives you health and wealth, a Jesus who gives you life and liberty and encourages you on your path to happiness, a Jesus who encourages all your creaturely comforts and guides you to financial security, blessing all of your hard work and ignoring all the bad stuff that you've done so that you have the happy life in this world. And then when you die, just to make it even happier, to give you eternal life where it's even more happiness than you can possibly imagine. And you just want this Jesus so you can sing, oh, how happy you have made me. You're welcome for that. Like, this is what we want. We want this Jesus. And so Peter says, you are that Christ, and that's why we've left everything to follow you. Because you, we are banking on the fact that you are the one to give us the good life. And we all want the good life. We all seek the good life. And we want Jesus to give us the good life. So that Jesus' response to Peter and to all of us today is really quite jarring. So Jesus strictly charged them to tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now, can you, Peter rebuking Jesus, can you imagine rebuking Jesus? Can you imagine talking back to God when he does things and allows things and says things that you don't want him to do or say? Of course you can. Of course we can identify with Peter here. Of course we know what it's like to talk back to God and tell him we aren't happy with the way things are going. And you can just imagine Peter like, Jesus, didn't you hear what I just said? I said you're the Christ, the one who's supposed to bring the good life. Jesus, just so you know, people don't vote for leaders who tell them they're going to go die. That's not the goal here. This death talk makes us wildly uncomfortable. You should be considering our victory. You should be considering our wants. Jesus, your thoughts should be my thoughts, and your ways should be my ways, and your goals should be my goals. Otherwise, why would I follow you? I'm following you so that you can make life better for me. You're supposed to make me comfortable, but all the death talk is doing quite the opposite. Besides, I've chosen to follow you. Therefore, I should be awaiting some reward. I should be focused on the rewards that I get for following you, not the suffering that's coming my way. And now you're talking about being uh, arrested and, and, and killed at the hands of the religious leaders? Jesus, that's what happens to failed messiahs. You know what failed messiahs get out here? They get the cross. And nobody wants the cross. And yet, as Jesus says, it's the cross that he's come to give. Turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And he called to him the crowd and with his disciples said to them, 
If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. It's as if Jesus is saying to Peter and to you and to me today, I did not come to give you the good life of comfort and ease and power. I didn't come to give you life and liberty and to encourage you in your pursuit of happiness. I'm here to die at the hands of the religious leaders. I'm here to suffer the wrath of God for the sins of the world at the hands of the world's powers. Those people you idolize, those people you look up to, those people whose lives that you covet and you wish that you had, they are the ones that are going to kill me so they can maintain their power, prestige, and happiness. And I've come to let them do it. See, Jesus is saying, if you want to choose a Savior apart from the cross, if you want to conceive of a Savior without the cross, such conceptions are from Satan and not from God. Now, someone is here thinking, but wait a minute. Doesn't Jesus' dying on the cross mean that I don't get the cross? Like, Jesus died for me so that I don't have to suffer the wrath of God. Jesus died for me so that my sins are forgiven. Jesus died for me so that I'm saved by grace alone. Isn't that true? Well, yes, it is true. Jesus did take up the cross to suffer for your sins and to suffer the wrath of God in your place so you don't have to. Jesus did take the cross so that you are saved now by his grace alone and your sins are forgiven. But this doesn't mean that Jesus has saved you for the easy life. The call to follow Jesus, the call to discipleship, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said, is the call to die. To put your selfish ambitions to death. To put your pride to death. To abandon your idols of peace and security and comfort. All for the sake of following him. Now, I suppose you could abandon Jesus and just continue to pursue those idols. You can continue to follow after those idols if you'd want to and, and leave Jesus behind. Just understand such sinfulness only ends up with you being denied by Jesus before the Father on the last day. See, Jesus, in calling you to follow him, is calling you to take up a cross. And you don't seek that cross. But Jesus gives it. You don't have to go searching for it. The cross will find you. And you will see how you must suffer for his name. You will see what it's like to suffer as you start to try and love those who simply will not love you back. How you were called to forgive those who don't deserve your forgiveness and frankly didn't ask for it really in a very sincere way. You will see how you must risk your life, your job, your position in your family for confessing the name of Christ. Those people whom you love may reject you for such things. You will see how you must suffer for pursuing God's law in a world that seems bent on shattering it. You will see what it means to suffer. From, uh, you will see what, come, what sort of suffering comes from confessing Jesus to be the Lord and nothing else to be the Lord. In all this, you will suffer and struggle and you will receive a cross you will bear a cross because of Jesus. But now, hear this. You will bear a cross because of Jesus. But Jesus, or his cross, because of you. 
He did do everything he said today. He did go to Jerusalem and he did suffer at the hands of the leaders and he did it willingly, mind you. Jesus is the one who did seek the cross, who did pursue the cross, and he did receive his place on that Roman torture device outside of the city. And there on that cross, he bore the sins of the world. There on his cross, he bore your sins your vanity, your idolatry, your self-serving love of comfort, Jesus bore it on his cross for you, for the forgiveness of all of your sins. In this way, Jesus, you might say, gave himself to the cross as a sacrifice to the altar, so that your sins were bled for and died for, and you are forgiven. He has given you his cross, so that your sins are forgiven. Nobody seeks the cross. Nobody goes looking for the cross. The cross is precisely what Jesus gives to you. He gives you your own cross that you must bear as you follow him. But he gives you also his cross. For he sought it for your sake. And on account of him, you are saved. Amen. We pray. Heavenly Father, teach us to take up our cross and follow you. Lord, this is something that works against our will and it is not what we desire, and we confess that to you today. But we thank you that on account of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. So Lord, with the promise of this forgiveness, encourage us and empower us to follow you faithfully no matter what may come our way, knowing that just as Jesus rose from the dead, so too will we rise to be with you forever. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.